Exit 52 podcast, the only Baltimore podcast. I- I'm not even going to do the whole spiel. Ravens, Steelers, over for the season. The Ravens swept by the Steelers. I'm not going to start with that. You're right. They could play again. That's just stupid. Yeah, yeah. Stupid. You said over for the season, maybe for the regular season, but yeah, true. I want those that's guys true. again at full strength. I'm I'm already getting ready. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay, let me, 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 let me bring us back in. Let me bring us back in. All right. Yeah. Do it live. It's the Exit 52 podcast, the only Baltimore podcast where two of the hosts simultaneously watch Disney Plus Taylor Swift specials. We are back after the Ravens lost to the Steelers on a Wednesday night. It's the double instant analysis regular podcast. We didn't think we'd ever get to this point because we didn't think we'd see NFL games on Wednesdays, but that is where we are in 2020. The Ravens drop a tough one to the Steelers, 1914. There is Almost too much to talk about in terms of what's happened since we potted last week prior to Thanksgiving when by the end of the pod we were talking different types of Thanksgiving food. The Ravens seemed like they've gone through three seasons since then. They've lost players. They've had controversy. They've, they've disciplined staff members. They've had this game scheduled on multiple days. They finally played at 340 on a Wednesday and fall. I don't know where to start. So, Banks, I will allow you to give us a starting point your overall thoughts from what has been a chaotic week chaotic week is is the best way to put it um i'm exhausted you know that episode of the office where well i mean it happens every other episode where the 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 company is shutting down and so michael pulls out all the stops he brings out the uh the bells bourbon and bullets and uh there's been a murder (laughs) Um, at the end of the episode he just like Breaks character. He's just like, today is the hardest I've worked in a very long time. <laughs> I feel like Michael Scott in that moment, like in terms of just trying to hold it together and hoping and praying that we were going to have this football game. And then riding that roller coaster for over a week and finding out about new positives like every day and what it meant and all those types of things who was going to come off the list when the game was going to be, it was so much stuff and I'm worn out and I, it sucks that we lost the game and we went into the game, you know, by the time the game came around feeling like we didn't have a, a, a chance in hell of winning it. And those guys played their hearts out today. I mean, they really did. They showed a lot of competitiveness kind of fire that we haven't seen from them most of the season. And um, that part is encouraging it's frustrating that I felt the game got away a little bit from it being Steelers versus Ravens. That's one way to put it nicely, I think. Um, and that's not to say that the Ravens deserved a different outcome, but I think that they deserved a better chance to um, try to steal that game against what was really a shit performance by the Steelers. I mean, they played like garbage and that game was there for the taking. And um, to a degree, we let it slip away. And in other ways, our opportunity was kind of um, like, uh, you know, kind of taken away from us a little bit. So I don't know. So there's, like you said, there's a ton of things to get into and I don't really know where to start. So I'll let one of you guys go. Cause I've just kind of ranted for two minutes there. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it, it at some points felt like your stereotypical Raven Steelers, but then at some points it didn't, I mean, that first, what, 10 minutes of the game was disgusting. The, the interception, <laughs> the other, you know, who's it? The 
the the pick six and then the fun and then the punt the fumble. fumble. The punt. It was fun. It was fun. Disgusting though. It was it, expected. I mean the RG. It delivered the RG three fumble on the first play there uh, of that drive was one of the most laughable things I think I've ever seen. I mean it was almost too perfect, and I felt really bad for RG three, who seems like a pretty good guy and is totally bought into the Ravens organization. But to see him just totally botch the transfer after <laughs> ten days with no practice was 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 something. He's it was doing that in practice all the time. I mean, that is the Ravens' offense is the the zone reads and all those options. So I don't know. It feels like that should have been fundamentals. But yeah, he's also probably playing scout team quarterback for the defense. You know, when with Justice Hill, who he blew the 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 uh, the stat with. But go ahead. It, and I thought Justice Hill ran hard in that second half. He he had some nice he had some nice um you know runs and and it seemed like they were trying to get the ball in his hands. But um, I mean it it reminded me of a JV football game that starts at three thirty in the afternoon and it was interception, fumble, pun, interception, and it was just like oh god, here we go. Um, but again, I mean it it almost seems like the Ravens coaches sort. Of, I mean like, Banks, I think you tweeted it at one point they were only down it was the fourth and ten. They were down 12 and they're just punting it with like, yeah, there were five minutes left. It felt like John Harbaugh quit on the game. And I mm-hmm. completely get it's been a draining week and the offense, nothing was going right all, all game. And at a certain point, it makes sense to just kind of pack it in when something as simple as going for it on a fourth and two versus punting it to me in that moment said, all right, we're quitting on this football game. And it wasn't, it was too soon to do that in my opinion. And to that point, we punted it, got the ball back, scored with the Trace McSorley to Hollywood play, and we had Hollywood, Hollywood now with two and a half minutes. He, Is know, he Hollywood again? Be Hollywood again. Okay, okay. If, I'll, I'll say this: if he doesn't score, he's not Hollywood. He's no way. Kinda, he kind of tooled Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, he stuck one foot in the ground and sent Minka twirling like a top. So I, mm-hmm. I'll give him. I'll give him credit for that. I guess I gave the, his name back to him. You gave it to him. I mean, you naturally gave I it did. to him. I think that's the instinct to follow. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it, but like, like you said, I, I kind of thought that same thing, that they were kind of giving up on the game. And, I mean, good for the Ravens for fighting back. And, and you've seen a lot of that. I know Marlon Humphrey kind of said he tweeted something not too long ago, like, yeah, we didn't get the win, but, like, to see the guys out there fighting was, was great. And, and, yeah, again, it just had just a very weird feel about the whole game. And, the Steel, like you said, the Steelers played like shit. I mean, I'm like, like I said, I'm, before we started recording, like Big Ben threw them 51 times. That's a ton. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's like frustrating to know that you sound like such a baby when you say it. It makes because you lose to a team twice and you have no ground to stand on. But they're not an 11 and 0 worthy football. I mean, they you are what your record says you are or whatever. But their ability level, their talent, or like whatever you want to call it, they should not be 11 and 0. They just are. And I wanted so badly to be the team to kind of at least correct that. And we weren't able to give them even remotely good to like close to our best punch today. And we still almost had a chance at them. It was interesting because Collinsworth was harping on the Pittsburgh game plan. Hurry up, tire out the Ravens, tire out the Ravens defense. You saw a little bit of that in the second half, but I almost don't think the short passing was doing that to their intended like they need to really get up front and be physical up front and run Benny Snell a little bit more I I think they kind of lost the plot a little bit there like to have Roethlisberger average 5.2 yards of completion like you they essentially play into the to the Ravens biggest strength to the Ravens most healthy strength 
I'm not sure based on what you've seen the last, based on what you saw from Derrick Henry, now it feels like two weeks ago. I mean, I, I, Benny Snell is not Derrick Henry. James Conner wouldn't have been Derrick Henry. Anthony McFarland is certainly not Derrick Henry, and I love <laughs> Anthony McFarland. But I just thought they would run the ball more and try to really be physical in how they were speeding up the game. And at times it felt like they were playing to the Ravens' strength, throwing the ball against Marlon Humphrey. Like, why even involve Marlon Humphrey in the game? I mean, yeah. you have guys up front that are just that have shown to not be them. No offense to them, not be capable of stopping the run. And maybe with Pouncey out, they didn't feel like they had that ability to do that up front. I'm not sure what it was, but I, I, every time they drop back to throw, I know how talented they are. I, I was like, that's fine. I don't really want to see this defensive line get torched. Um, so, yeah. I, I, like you said, you can't take moral victories. Torrey Smith tweeted it. You can, no moral victories, but you're proud of the team. I was very proud of how the team fought. I think this is a game where you could have rolled over and died. You could have ended your season today. I mean, you, you could have gone out and lost by 30 and, with RG3, who can't throw. I mean, God love RG3, but, I mean, that was tough to watch him sling the ball around when they ever they kind of let him loose. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think that, that, that that's the situation. You know, you can take – that moral victory, quote unquote, and say that the Ravens maybe turned around some of the issues they've had fighting in games. But then again, you're on the one yard line at the half and you mismanage the clock and I, the, they didn't get the call they wanted. But, you know, Justice Hill could get the ball one more inch. Gus Edwards could get the ball across. Gus Edwards ran nine times for 10 yards. I mean, he didn't really do anything with his opportunity today. And then Luke Wilson, I mean, I know you've been on the team for a week, but just keep the ball up and simple. So simple. So so it's tough. I mean, the Ravens were clearly undermanned and, and clearly um, did not have their ability, as you said, very well banks to give their best punch, but they also had a chance to win a game against a team that didn't play well. So those are the kind of things you have to weigh, but ultimately I'm proud of them. And now, now you have to build on this though. You can't now come out next week and lose. I mean, you have to go out and beat Dallas and you have to, in a game that the Browns are going to believe, probably call their Super Bowl, you've then got to go out and humble them too. The Ravens still have a chance to be in this thing, uh, but you have to build on this now. You can't, now they can't, it can't be woe is me anymore. The Ravens can't feel sorry for themselves anymore. Yeah. It's, 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 that stuff's done. It felt See, like that, a lot that, of the big, big names were there on Twitter watching the game and they seemed to like exude a lot of that energy sitting on the couch at home and supporting their guys. And I hope that they can watch that and see what kind of performance these guys put out there and just, keep that energy and channel it and kind of hit a reset button of sorts here because I don't know, we didn't have a bye week because there's, I mean, this was just the weirdest week ever, but to a degree it was kind of recharge your batteries and try to like recalibrate where you're headed and try to hit the reset button and move forward. And I'm hoping that that's exactly what they do because the Cowboys are a team that we should be if we have close to full strength and um, hopefully Lamar Jackson, obviously. So um, you know, you got to take a week by week and it starts with one, but, um, they just gotta, gotta push forward here. I was going to ask if that, that Cleveland game is a, is a prime time. And it is, I couldn't remember if that one was, yeah, but yeah, night. I mean, that, like you said, that's going to be, I mean, I'm excited. I, you know, I get to see the, the Browns really for the first time since last year, uh, this week with the Titans playing them. Um, and I mean, you know, that, that who knows what the Browns are going to bring to the table and, Obviously, like, like I know they said, they've said on part of my take, the weather's obviously been like the Browns' best friend, forcing uh, Mayfield not to throw the ball. Um, so, uh, you know, again, that, that game's always something that they try and get up for. But I, going back to kind of the running game and how the, the Steelers didn't establish, lit, establish it, 
it's almost like because they were getting boxed up in that first quarter and and the Ravens weren't letting anything go. And it was kind of the same thing that happened to Derrick Henry and the Titans last week. And that's, I think, part of the reason that makes the Titans so good. Not that this is a Titans podcast and it's not going that way, but like they stuck with it and they let it go. You know, they kept pounding at it as opposed to the Steelers who kind of were like, all right, let's back off and throw the ball. And like you said, that that kind of builds into what the, the Ravens wanted to do. Um, and I also I haven't. Marcus Peters has not looked good the last couple of games. He's been yeah. on the, the wrong end of a lot of plays. And, and Benny, smells, Benny Snell's a good running back, but he manhandled uh, Marcus he on did. that. that That's going to happen to him sometimes with the way he plays. It's the just, aggressive play, yeah. But it, yeah. it just seems like the last couple, what, three or four weeks, he's kind of – It's been a while since he's gotten one of those plays that kind of – Where he gambled and won. You know? Um, yeah, the whole thing with – uh, I mean, I said it in my blog before the game, the the Ravens on the defensive side of the ball, their D-line was the most decimated of any unit. So the Steelers would be smart to smash the ball over and over and over. But I also said, I don't trust Mike Tomlin to exploit that. I just don't think that he he just seems to have a pattern of doing things exactly what he did today. The, the Steelers, even when they were down 7-6 early, um, they were in control of the game the entire time. Like – with how one-dimensional the Ravens offense was, and even if you want to call it dimensional, it they very much had the ability to dictate how that game should have gone. And they just were stubborn about throwing the ball 51 times when you're leading any game by any amount is a pretty preposterous amount. Um, and they kind of had fleeting success with it. I mean, they had some guys drop some passes and they were sloppy a bit, but um, it never felt like guys were consistently wide open where they were just having their way with us. It's just, um, it's that kind of, that kind of thing with Mike Tomlin that makes me think that he's just not that great of a coach in terms of in-game management and managing the flow and those things. Cause that, that Steelers offense can, can absolutely just spin its wheels at times for extended periods of times. And that's when I think, I, I just don't think that that team has the legs to to play consistently enough across three or four playoff games against good teams and get away with it. So I'm praying that we have that opportunity to be the team to knock them off. Yeah, and losing Bud Dupree at the end of the game is is big. He is out yeah, for the year, that um, so that will that will, as Collinsworth said at the end of the game, will kind of shift a lot of the attention to uh, T.J. Watt. I, you have to shout out some of these guys that came essentially off the street and really played pretty well. Like Tremont Williams played pretty well. Um, Devonte Harris played pretty well. I mean, these guys, I mean, there's no slouch in that receiving core, even, I mean, down to Washington. Yeah. Um, and some of those guys for that, for Pittsburgh and those guys played pretty well. I mean, Tremont, Tremont Williams, 37. I mean, he's been in the league forever and um, he came out and played pretty well. Patrick queen was active in this game as Collinsworth pointed out, th- I think like two or three times he was a, a pinch away from some big plays that he did not make. He almost um, had a cer- pick at a certain point. He's got to make those plays. Um, but I, I think for a guy that, you know, had a lot of pressure on him today. Um, I, I think he was, he was around the ball. He's just had, he just, and, and Marlon Humphrey was try. I mean, he was trying <laughs> so hard to, I mean, that you could tell that they told those guys <laughs> trip on every play. I mean, they, didn't yeah. It almost feels like that Harbaugh, and this is a this is ridiculous. He should have gone for it on fourth down at that point. But it almost felt like they thought it was a better strategy to punt it back to see if they could create a turnover and took yeah. the position that way as opposed to driving down the field. And who knows if that was a conscious decision? But that seemed like almost having I mean, even not trying the field goal with Justin Tucker, where you have Justin Tucker, 
I think in a normal situation, they're probably kicking a field goal um, and they punt it back to, I think, just try to create field position to maybe. It, it doesn't it. help that your math guy is on the shelf, by the way. I don't know if that, I think Jeff Zrebic said that at some point, Daniel Stern is one of the staff members that has uh, been on the shelf. So mm. I don't think he had the numbers in his ear the way he usually does. Yeah. The one thing for the Ravens too is, is, I, and look, we don't know anything. You don't want to speculate. I mean, they've, they've got to do a better job internally getting that together. I mean, COVID is a really tough thing and there are tons of teams that have dealt with it, but there's too much smoke at this point to believe that the Ravens didn't have all their eyes dotted and their T's crossed. And that's the, I think happened around the league too. Um, but it seems like they've addressed that now leading in, but that was those reports coming out didn't seem positive. And I, I mean, it's tough to, I don't want to like totally speculate on what was going on. Yeah. But it's, it's a tough place to be, but hopefully they've got that stuff figured out. And, and I think it's, it sounds like over the last week, they they've, they've gotten it back together and, it's, it's tough to even criticize any of these teams because this, this, I mean, this virus is, I mean, it's not, it's, it's tough. I mean, you get one person with it and they do one wrong thing and you're kind of off to the races, unfortunately. And that's happening in sports everywhere. I mean, it's happening to there. So I think every team besides one, maybe has had at least one positive. So. Who's that one? You don't know who that one team is, do you? Somebody, I thought I heard it was the Panthers, but I, I I want to say it was the Eagles. They mentioned it last ah, night before. Yeah, but I might probably. be wrong on that. I think it was the Eagles, probably because yeah. their receivers can't catch any. No, oh, yeah. put yeah. Them, here we go. Thank you, thank yes. you. You put it on a tee. You put it on a tee. Yeah. Wow. Uh, there it is. Just trying to cheer yeah. you guys up, you know? No, yeah. I mean, look, it, it, I'm it, not too bummed. This is a, this you're, you're is a not. You're really here. not. The I'm really not. Seriously, we came into this game and this was it was almost fun to watch this game because there were no expectations of what we should do or what like we're supposed to do something we've been playing kind of under that, that it's kind of pressure to a degree for over a year now, pretty much since we, we beat probably the Seahawks last year and kind of stepped on the gas. Every game has been a game where we feel like we're supposed to win and we're supposed to do this and we're supposed to blow the team out and we're supposed to run the football ton. And like, this was very much a game where we didn't know what we were going to get into what we were going to see. And it was kind of fun just to play without um, play with house money and, and have no expectations and just have fun watching football and see what the guys could put together. And the, you know, <laughs> there was some ugly football in there for sure, but they fought hard. We've said it a bunch of times now, like there's a lot to be proud of and you can probably count on one hand, how many guys you could say had bad games. Um, Luke Wilson is going to be at the top of the list and that sucks. Cause like he's been on the team for 30 seconds, but um, that's the way it goes when you drop multiple passes, including a game-changing play. I mean, it was a game-changing play. Um, but other than him, I got Marcus Peters had a little bit of a rough go and, and probably wasn't John Harbaugh's best, best game in terms of his management. But I don't think um, – yeah, it certainly was I don't not. really know who else to point a finger at. Maybe DJ Fluker had a, a holding penalty – like a couple holding penalties, but one of them wasn't as was – just wasn't a holding penalty. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tyree Phillips is out there, right tackle. After not playing for what four weeks, trying to trying to deal with TJ Watt. I mean, it was just it was the the Ravens putting up the points that they did today. I mean, one of them was like a late touchdown that you could make a case was like just kind of garbage time to a degree. But you have to remember, not only were the Ravens depleted and had nothing offensively, that is a really good defense on the other side of the ball like really good. And for them to compete and put a few points on the board and, and having left some points 
out there, like it's, it's a bit impressive. I mean, we, we, we ran the football pretty effectively for the most part against that team. And uh, that's, that's something to, to kind of jot down your notes for January. I think if you're Lamar Jackson, you need to take a quick notice of, and Robert Griffin III is very, is clearly limited. Um, he is not the same athlete he was when he came into the league. Um, he cannot throw the ball unbelievably well, as we saw. But the one thing he did a great job of when, when he pulled to go to those runs in the middle, he just went. He didn't wait. He just hit the hole and went. I think at times Lamar, at this year at least, has been a little indecisive in those spots. Um, I think, and, and uh, Tariko might have said this at some point, it would be interesting to see if Lamar sort of having an ability to kind of watch that go for one game, if it gives him the ability to sort of reassess where he is with the offense, or if it gives Greg Roman uh, an ability to kind of look at it from a different lens too. I, I don't know if that'll that that's an interesting wishful point. thinking, but. Yeah, just like kind of see what the offense is capable of when there's a little bit of a different skill set or like Lamar can do all the things that RG3 can and more, but what were the things that were successful when you stripped away a few of those those skills and what was effective, what wasn't, and then where does Lamar where's Lamar kind of the difference maker? And by the way, if you thought like this was proof positive that Lamar Jackson throwing the football like there's not a lot there offensively for anyone, but RG3 versus I know like we knew that Lamar could throw better than RG3, but um, I don't like, I don't know. I think that the, the people that think Lamar can't throw that look, RG3 is the thrower that they want Lamar to be. So um, I don't know. It, I mean, RG3 had 33 passing yards. I think at one point in the second half, he had only had five to that point. And um, I don't remember when it happened, but it was a pretty ridiculous point in time when Tariqa was like, and that's their first passing first down of the game. I think it was, I think it was in the first, uh, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so that just shows how one dimensional the Ravens offense was. And they still, you know, again, didn't, they, they didn't light the world on fire or anything, but they weren't completely handcuffed. Do you want to uh, bookend hate month? Kind of sum it up. Uh, you had to do that, huh? I, I just figured. I I I yeah. I know true. it was a big. It was a big. Well, hate, uh, hate month ended a two days ago. Days ago. So this is December. So I don't even know what you're talking. About. <laughs> You've already flipped the page. I mean, oh, let's, yeah. let, let's okay. call it spade a spade. Hate month was an absolute disaster. I mean, I mean, not not to not to take this away from you because this is your thing, but you go one and four essentially in hate month. You beat the Colts, who, I mean, you know, it's great. But you lose a heartbreaker to the Patriots, two heartbreakers to the Steelers, and a heartbreaker to the Titans. I, I it, was, it was a draining hate month, I'll be honest. Um, in the words of the great Mark McGuire, I'm not here to talk about the past. And, <laughs> and credit to you, because I went to, I went to your Twitter to, to find the, the blog on it, and it was already unpinned. Oh, I unpinned it, like – uh, two nights ago at midnight. 1201, yep. <laughs> yeah, I am, I, yeah, I am here to talk on. about the past. Disaster. Hate month was a disaster. Okay, Absolutely. it was a disaster. It was a what disaster. do you want me to say, Taylor? It was a no, fucking I'm disaster. Not. No, I'm taking That's why I'm taking it for you. You you, 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 you have pled the fifth. Um, I, the Ravens now do have uh, games to build on that. As we said, Cowboys now – what is that game on? Tuesday night? It's really hard to keep Tuesday night. <laughs> Tuesday so night uh, on Fox. Uh, and what should have been, I, I believe they will call that Thursday night football on Tuesday after we just played Sunday night football on Wednesday. So 
Uh, we have got that going for Covering us. Covering four, four out of seven there. Then they play Monday night football on Monday against the Browns, and then it's three consecutive Sunday games, although who knows at this point. I mean, the, <laughs> the amount of games moving around uh, throughout sports um, as someone that works at a school that has now had, I think, like seven cancellations in multiple sports in the last month. Um, it is certainly something that is a the definition of a fluid situation. Uh, I guess we will look forward to this Cowboys game. There's not much to say here other than the Ravens have to win this game. The Cowboys have been friskier lately. They did just give up all kinds of rushing yards to Antonio Gibson and the football team uh, on Thanksgiving. And they are playing for essentially nothing, although I guess they're not because they still could win the division. So they still are playing for something. Uh, This game is in Baltimore. Uh, Thoughts? Um, as you're talking about Antonio Gibson and people running all over people or whatever, uh, to follow up on what Eric said about the second half, like Justin, Justice Hill, like he earned his keep here tonight. I think he, I mean, he is fourth string on the depth chart and he wasn't really, I mean, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about like, why is this guy getting any snaps whatsoever? I'm starting to see why a little bit. And when I went back and I watched the tape on, uh, the week 17 game last year. And he was kind of paired with, with uh, Gus Edwards, just like he was today. It was a lot of the same, like he looked really good in that week 17 game against the Steelers. Um, so, you know, we may have something there for down the road. Cause I think we've, we've all agreed that Ingram is on his way out. Um, Edwards is going to be a free agent here, so he could easily walk. So it really might be a nice little duo here of uh, Dobbins and Justice Hill here in the future. Um, and I like the fact that Hill brings a little more speed to the offense than the other three do. Like he's got a little more uh, creativity and space and can make guys miss and isn't quite as much a uh, power and low to the ground, low gravity type of guy. He, he kind of brings something different. And I think that when you couple that with Lamar, it could really pop with that kind of speed on some speed options and things like that. But um where were we? We were talking about Dallas coming up. Be curious to see him. Uh, see, I mean, we don't know who we're going to have out there. I mean, that is the other thing. It's it's hard to talk about this game because you're not sure who's going to be playing. Everybody is doing the math in terms of okay, like when did this person go on the list, and like let's subtract ten days from game time, and like who is eligible to come off by then. I think it's everybody except for a couple of the stragglers that ended up on the list in the last couple of days. But we don't know that that these people, these players are going to be healthy. Like we're just assuming that they're gonna test negative, that they're just they're just beating coronavirus down, like it ain't no thing. Like you can't just assume that. So um we have to continue to get our ducks in a row. It doesn't like it's not really something you can like do. You just have to cross your fingers and pray. Um but if we get back half the guys that we lost for this game, I think you have to like our chances to take care of business. So all right, that's as much as I've got. Pray for Lamar. We want Lamar. We need Lamar. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag pray for Lamar. Yeah. I and think that was I, gonna, there hasn't okay. really been any like update on how, how any of them are doing. I guess it seems like they're kind of, well, I guess Bozeman had some comments after the game that people kind of didn't, appreciate him saying like oh people have been sick but not that sick or something like that it was Bozeman said that or yeah yeah, yeah it, was, it was a weird 
it was a weird comment that, but I saw some people like, well, that's not what you say, but you know, I don't know. I've heard, from, I've heard from one player who said that just like a little minor headache and like really nothing too serious, but it's. The, the question also is really the thing that, that could be this and we're discussing COVID symptoms here, but I mean, it's going to drain you to be sick is going to drain you. And quite yeah. the question is, can you physically recover and play? And, and really the bottom line is in terms of the Ravens players and staff, hope all of those people are okay. I mean, that's, that's really, yeah. The especially biggest, the families that RG three. Yeah. That was referencing. I mean, that is a yeah. real thing. And it's, that's kinda, the it's risk. scary. That's the risk you take. And that's, that's what has been talked about throughout this entire. That's why this whole thing mattered. That's why this was important to push the games back. It had to be done. Yeah. You know, all those Pittsburgh people, I laid into them in the blog today and, you know, I kind of said my piece there, but there was a real lack of critical thinking by a lot of people when it came to this situation. Well, as someone that had Ohio State fans in their mentions a couple weeks ago on um, some Maryland team accounts, I can say that the Steelers fans are not the most unreasonable fan base out there in terms of how this is being handled. But with that said, um, yeah, I mean, so when you look at this game now, it's really the guy it's about is Lamar because you're going to be able to interchange these other pieces to a certain extent and be generally competent. Obviously, you want as many guys back as possible. But RG3, with the giant rap, he's not playing. I, I, I mean, that would be stunning if he comes back from a hamstring in a week, um, no matter how bad it is. That's just at the least seems like a weak injury. So now you have Trace McSorley and Tyler Huntley, and not a lot of time to necessarily go out and sign somebody. So you're probably going one of those guys. You, you need Lamar Jackson back. I mean, that is, at this point, the entire focus of the Ravens organization and they can't decide on whether he's back or not. Cause he's dealing with something you can't predict. So it's not like he's dealing with a bum ankle that you can wrap. I mean, he's dealing with, with, with COVID-19. So that, that is, if he's back, I mean, the Ravens are clearly the favorites in this game and should win. And if he's not back, then our man home run trace is going to have to get it done. Probably. Um, <laughs> he made the one great throw, but the other ones were, I mean, the first one, the out that he threw were out Donovan McNabb bounce back. Yeah. And I'll give him a little, I'll give him a little pass. I mean, this is a first, his first pass in a oh, big yeah. spot. I, the one thing, and uh, look, I'm not a Penn State guy, but the one thing that Trace McSorley always had at Penn State was he was a total gamer. I mean, he was a balls. Gamer. He had big balls. Yeah, big balls. Like he he <laughs> played big in big games. Um, so that's not gonna scare him. I mean, if he has a week to prepare. None of have no, I mean, not that there's any atmosphere, but none of the stage is going to scare that guy. I mean, he he, yeah. he he played with huge pressure at Penn State. So the throw on the touchdown was a really good throw because he saw the amount of space and time he had to get the ball there before the corner closed in. And another uh, credit that needs to be given is that's that's a ball that Hollywood actually came back to a little bit. And I think at some point in this podcast, I've been like. Nobody comes back to the football. Nobody attacks the ball and catches it. Hollywood kind of did it on that play, and it kind of gave him the space because he came forward and was able to kind of create the space for himself to then use his skill and his ability to do what he did. So, Like you were talking about, you know, the, the massive onions on him. You could see it. I mean, he, he had that, that run, and he got right up in Minka's face. And, and he was kind of jawing a little back and forth with him. Um, and then, and then, um, shoot, I'm trying to think of what he did something else where I was like, okay, that's Trace McSorley. Like guys kind yeah. of feeling themselves. So yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I saw him a couple of times that we, you know, Maryland playing Penn state and guys seemed like a baller, but how about, um, Tariko almost, what was it? It was like halfway through the second quarter. They come back from a commercial and he's like, well, 
Looks like Trace McSorley's coming in. He's warming up on the sidelines. Yeah, and then RG3 just pops right out. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, oh. Okay. He absolutely went for that. Tariko, oh, yeah. <laughs> Tariko went for that. He said, yeah, RG3 had the big jacket on, and Trace was warming up, and then, like, last minute, like, RG3 just whips it off. And, yeah, it's like, dude, of course he's wearing a jacket. It's 25 degrees there. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? So yeah. I thought that was pretty funny because my ears perked up, and I'm like, Oh, here we go. Now this is going to be a show if we get traced for two and a half quarters. But uh, lo and behold, uh, RG3 came back. And in. he has a, he's, he was on the COVID list. I mean, he hasn't practiced in forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was wild for him, to, for him to come in that game. Um, the, the, the Cowboys have been much maligned throughout the year to give the snapshot on them, I think, is I mean, they are as national a team as it gets. So I'm sure no one listening to this podcast hasn't seen the, the, some of the Cowboys discussion no Dak Prescott our old pal Andy Dalton is involved um they are not a very good team but I think they've competed well the last few weeks it's just really now a question of Thanksgiving was ugly (laughs) by the end yeah Thanksgiving got ugly I will say I was I was kind of focused on food at that point so my second half viewing of that but I did think they competed well the week before I I thought they they did did. and we talked we talked about that they won didn't they Who, who was it they won yeah they beat um uh, Minnesota. Yes. Where oh, they compete yeah. well against Minnesota. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. We talked – I remember – I think we might have texted about it, how how they had competed well in that game. But this is a game the Ravens should win. Frisky, I mean, frisky is the right word, though. Because, again, I mean, the week before the Vikings, they lost to the Steelers on that. I mean, they they, they were in the same exact situation. Yeah, Garrett, the, um, Garrett Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, but the same exact situation that the Ravens were in against the Steelers the week before where, uh, you know, I mean, they had a play, play to win it at with, with time running out. So – you they, have to. They, you pushing. have to be mindful of Andy Dalton. You just have to be, and I hate to say that, but you have to be on your toes. I mean, any Ravens fan who's watched them over the last eight, nine years, however long Dalton's been there or whatever, I mean, he's he's pulled off miracles before. Like you said, it, he didn't have an AJ Green, but uh, you know, Amari Cooper's not bad when CD Lamb's making some catches. But could, uh, it, again, it always seemed like the Bengals and and Dalton always pulled a horseshoe out of their ass whenever they were playing. And to reframe a previous comment, they did give up 21 fourth quarter points to the football team. So maybe they did not compete well down the stretch. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's if, a tough if you, if you I don't think watch I watched that. I did not watch that. So yeah, I, don't, I could don't easily don't see where you turn it off yeah. late the third or whatever. And I'm telling you, it was one of those fourth quarters where it's like, oh, God. Like, well, I, hopefully I, I left this week. I left Thanksgiving dinner and it was 2016. And when I got home, it was tw- it was 41-16 final. Yeah, it got away from like, Wait, what the hell it happened? Was nasty. I mean, yeah. talk about Frisky, the football team. I mean, that's kind of happening right now. It's not great for Ravens fans. They're four they seven. make the playoffs. They're four yeah. and seven. They may, make the playoffs. they may make the playoffs. They may win okay. the division. They may yeah. win the division. No, I, champions. Good for them if they do that. Like, somebody's got to win it. I still think it'll be the Eagles somehow. I still haven't, like. Oh, what about the G-Men? But, uh. Could no, be the G-Men. Could no, be the Cowboys. The- By the way, could be the Cowboys. That, I mean, uh, that's what's crazy about it it's such a ridiculous situation we got the g-men in week 16 i think so yeah that's gonna be tough for them what a putrid division so that game maybe they'll have a race between uh daniel jones and lamar jackson tuesday night on fox i i I, it's almost unfair to give you ask you guys for predictions because we have no clue what the ravens personnel is going to be but it's 2020 so we'll, we'll do the picks right now and then maybe as we get closer to the game, we could tweet out refrained picks if we kind of have a better sense of who's actually playing. Eric, you can start. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, do you make a pick if Lamar plays and if 
trace plays or like because now yeah, I mean RG three is a hamstring thing. Um, twenty four, twenty four fourteen Ravens. Man, eh, maybe I will go. I will say Lamar Jackson heroically returns to the field, and the Ravens win twenty seven seventeen. I'm just gonna go twenty to ten. Ugh, that's a, too sexy, but sure, that um, might be how it goes. Just a real kind of sloppy. Get your your people back out there and don't overcomplicate things. And just you know, pound the football, run the clock, time of possession, and just get your win and move forward. Go home. Yeah, uh, forget 20, about it. Again, 20 like twenty to ten. It feels weird to give predictions when I'm still like. Like I've said, I'm not mourning over this loss that we just had, but it's just weird to do a podcast and be talking about next week already. Yeah, and that's that's what the Ravens did by playing on Wednesday. So, yep. <laughs> congrats to them. It has been a here we uh, are. It and here we are. It has been a wild afternoon in general. It feels like about 40 things have happened in a five hour span, and a lot of them locally. So let's try to touch on these. The Baltimore Orioles make a trade. Uh, they trade um, Jose Iglesias for Garrett Stallings and I Pinto. Is that how you think you pronounce that? Are you going to go? Through? I would guess. I, I haven't seen any like pronunciation on it or, or anything like that. Two prospects. Stallings is in the top 30 on MLB pipeline. He's 21 um, right-handed pitcher who I saw pitch against Maryland a couple of years ago. Um, Jose Iglesias, who we were excited when they picked up the option. There he goes. Um, what an Oriole career. Some would say that he was the best Orioles shortstop ever. People have been saying that. Um, okay. Okay. I mean, <laughs> it's no. I mean, he was he was obviously very fun to watch last year. Um, I mean, he was kind of the 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 straw that stirred the drink. He 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 was super fun to watch. I mean, he was hobble, hobbling like Kirk Gibson, you know, trying to run the bases. He was super flashy with the glove. Um, but it's like at the in at the end of the day, like was he going to be the shortstop when this team's competing? No, it's. It's Gunnar Henderson, who's who's you know was has been spoken very highly of after the Bowie camp. Um, and again, people, I mean, people, you want to get upset about it? Like I said, I'm. They got two guys. One was a top twenty-five uh, prospect for the Angels, and it's 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 just nice to see them getting some decent returns. And again, like they were going to try and trade him this year regardless. And the fact that they did it now just means that Elias thought that the pot that the return was good enough to to move him. Um, and, and, you know, that's that we, we, you know, tip your cap and I'll root for him and, in in an, as an angel and, um, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. But, uh, it, that, that may mean who's it Yolmer Sanchez may be the starting shortstop. It may be Richie Martin. It's not going to be fun next year, but again, we were, it, kind it of might, it fun. might be you, Eric, honestly, I, yeah. I, I'm just thinking about, you know, putting it's, out a highlight tape. It's, um, it's interesting that they treated him to the angels. The angels just let, and Jelton Simmons go, uh, I mean, his, his contract expired, but substantially him and Iglesias are kind of the same guy. So I don't see yes. a reason as to why one, the angels didn't just resign him. I mean, maybe the numbers just didn't work because Simmons can swing it a little bit more than Iglesias can, but mm-hmm. why don't the Orioles just go out and sign Simmons now and trade him at midseason? Yeah. It might cost a few dollars, but um I love Injelton Simmons. I, I've loved that guy since the moment he came in the league. He is 
nasty with the glove, even more mm-hmm. than Iglesias, in my opinion, because he's got the arm to go with it. And if you can go look up a play, um, there's a play where he takes a cutoff throw from the corner, the left field corner, as a sh- the shortstop cutoff man. And he literally catches it with his bare hand, his throwing hand, catches it and in a continuous fluid motion, uh, fires a strike over to first because they're trying to backpick a, a guy or something like that. I don't know. This is one of the more ridiculous things ever. Like you think that it's a deep fake video and no, he just like <laughs> the ball with his bare hand, uh, like, like an 85 mile an hour cutoff throw from an outfielder. It's like, it's preposterous. Yeah. That'd be an interesting move for them to make. I, 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 and I'm with you, Brian, on the like sign a guy for cheap. And that's exactly what they, what, what Elias kind of said tonight. Like he said, when we signed free agents, you know, right now, last year, this year, in the back of our mind is a trade. And that's what I wrote about when it came, I think the report came out last week, like, oh, the Orioles are interested in Yasiel Puig and they were last year. And it's like, why not bring him in, give him some at bats. The team is going to be looking for another right-handed bat who can play the outfield next year, ship him, ship him off. And again, like just the fact that they're getting returns for these guys, like they got top prospects for Tommy Malone. Like that, that right there is just mind blowing. Yeah. And, and my buddy just texted me this quote from Elias. And again, a lot of people are pissed and like, Oh, this rebuild sucks. This is the, the stuff that I love from Elias. He said on the state of the Orioles rebuild, this is from Joe Trezzi tweeted this out. I'm sure a lot, all the beat reporters did, but there will come a time when we flip the switch to maximizing wins in the upcoming seasons, but we're not there yet. This isn't fun. So stuff like that is, again, it's showing that there's a plan and it's not like they're not the, trading guys just to trade. The transparency is really refreshing. I love it. And I'm literally, I literally have a tweet up right now. That's like, this is the type of stuff I love. I love that he's speaking. He's not, it's not word or it's not, it's not just him saying words. It's he's saying everything with a meaning. It's not word vomit. There's no, he's not Mm -hmm. doing a lot of like GM coach speak. He really is sort of laying it all out there, which there are ways to like, for him to have said something really mealy mouth that kind of weaved in a bunch of directions to try to seem like he was making a move. But as you said, I mean, they go out and get stalling. So the fifth round pick has not pitched professionally. Cause I think he had over a hundred. I'm sure he had over a hundred innings as a starter in the sec. So they shut him down um, at the back half of 2019. There was no minor league season this year, which is actually kind of interesting because you're getting a guy that really has not been evaluated at all at the professional level. So you're kind of trusting your college evaluation on him, not anything you've seen professionally, which is pretty interesting. And then Pinto is a, an international signing who's 19. So he's kind of a flyer to a certain extent. But, I mean, a guy get picked in the fifth round out of an SEC school, you know, who probably throws in the – you know, I'm reading his bio right now. But from even what I remember about him, it's, you know, he's a typical SEC, you know, 91, 94 – four pitch mix so you hope maybe back into the rotation or if you can get his stuff to play up you he's in the bullpen but jose Iglesias is not going to be here when you win garrett stallings could be here when you win so that's kind of the trades the Orioles have to make right now yeah the trade's also a bit of a i mean he even just said it explicitly but before you read that tweet out i was going to say this is just a telltale sign that uh, you know he's very much saying we don't plan to compete this year and that's okay like we're going to go out and we're going to do what we need to do for the future. And um, it like, yeah, it, it's refreshing. Like there's a mission here and they're following the mission. There's no left the other, out of it. There's the on this road. Yeah. And the other thing, like you said, is it's not as if you now can't go out and sign a guy like Simmons to do essentially the same thing that Iglesias did for you. Yeah. 
Like those guys are going to be out there. The Orioles can kind of fill those guys we in. We can be a trial ground for these guys to prove and, themselves. Exactly. And have that and then, and then deal them later. And also not trying to win doesn't mean they're not going to start bringing some of these guys into the fold. You're just not going to go keep 30 year old veterans when you can get guys that maybe line up in your timeline a little bit more, especially a college pitcher who you don't necessarily plan to have in the minors for that long. If he's worth anything, you know, he's going to be 23 probably or 24 this year. So it's not like you're going to wait around for him forever. Um, you hope that he can kind of help you in some way when you feel like you can win in two or three years, you, you hope that he can, can come and do that. So interesting move by the Orioles. It's just funny. Cause I, we were excited when they picked up the Iglesias option. Cause he was fun to watch and you bring him back and you feel like you have a guy. Michael Elias says, Nope, I'm sticking to the plan. And again, I mean, it was like, an hour after the Ravens game, um, obviously the non-tender deadline is today, so everyone's kind of been focused on that. And I don't think it crossed anyone's mind that that he was going to be traded. I mean, I I was talking face to face with one of the Orioles PR people today and said something about you know Hanser Alberto, and it's like yeah, you know, it sounds like it's going to happen. It's it's kind of sad, and it's like again, no one. I mean, I didn't think that they were going to trade him, but again, I thought they were going to try and trade him at some point this year, and it just the. the the return was right, and um, Elias pulled the trigger. So, and I'm looking too at Angelton Simmons. I forgot he signed a seven-year, fifty-eight million-dollar contract extension with the Braves a couple of years ago. So that's what expired this year. He's making fifteen million dollars this year. Before, well, before he he opted out for COVID, but fifteen million is a lot. So who knows what he's yeah. going to command on the open market? Um, and and again, I mean, he's he's 31, so he's right around the same age as yeah. as um, um, Iglesias. But yeah, again, just a super. I mean, that's not even the biggest news of the day. I feel like in the DMV area, like you, like you were talking about Taylor with all the news popping up. Yeah. It's wild to, to read over the, the moves the Orioles did make, as you said, with the deadline agreed to terms with Sean Armstrong, Gilmore Sanchez, Pedro Severino and Pat Velika to avoid arbitration uh, tendered contracts to trade Mancini and Santander. And as you said, declined the option on Hanser Alberto, making him a free agent. Thank you for your service in Baltimore. Hanser Alberto, although Gus is a free agent could theoretically come back, but. And, and Elias did said, he said, we're still negotiating with Hanser. Like, you know, they tried to trade him, obviously um, couldn't get anything back, but he, he did mention, he said, you know, there's definitely um, interest from both sides. It's just, it's just whatever happens from here. So, and again, that was another thing people were upset about. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to lose sleep over Hanser Alberto. I'm not going to lose sleep over Jose Iglesias. Um, again, it's, it, these are, these are small moves um, going forward and, and I'd, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of those guys that they did tender contracts aren't here when the season starts. Yeah, absolutely. The, as you said, tons of news. I mean, right when we started to record this, uh, the Wizards traded John Wall in a first-round pick to Russell Westbrook. This is obviously a Baltimore show, not a D.C. show, but that is huge news here with the Wizards. Um, they get Russell Westbrook back, who's exactly on the same timeline as um, – as Bradley Beal in terms of what they're trying to do. Does this win the Wizards the championship? No. Does it make them any more maybe than a five or a four seed? Maybe not, but it makes them a lot more fun. And that would be nice to have a basketball team you can watch every night in the local area. It'd be fun. So Russell Westbrook, who's also my guy. I have to say I love Russell Westbrook. Any NBA thoughts from the boys on Russell Westbrook to D.C.? Should I go first? Because yeah, I'm you go. You the go. preeminent NBA guy on this podcast. Yes, you are. Yeah, guy. Maybe in, in the city. Um I love it. I mean, I think I'm a bigger Westbrook guy than you are. So um, I just love his attitude. He, he's just kind of cut from a different cloth than everybody else in the league. And this is kind of like the token take for those that like him, but it is what it is. I just like that. He's kind of like 
has a fuck you attitude and he's just going to go out and play hard and go hard for 48 minutes or however many minutes he plays in a given game, he's going to give you his all and he's going to go hard to the rim and he's not going to care he's in his way. Um, he's not in it to make friends. He's not in it to make pals and he just wants to hoop. I love it. I, it, may, it may or may not fit well with Beal. I, this is, you know, NBA banks going on here about, you know, X's and O's, but uh, <laughs> it's uh I, if it's, it's all about for me, is it going to draw me into actually watching wizards games? Yeah. If it's, if there's nothing else on, I'm going to watch the wizards because of it. <laughs> Cause you get memes out of it at any given moment. I mean, he's got all kinds of classic moments, whether it be post game interviews or just him chopping it up with, with unruly fans in the, in the crowd. I love that guy. Yeah, and I, I, I like Westbrook. Um, I liked Wall. I, I had a tweet written in my – it's in the draft, so I haven't shot it out yet. This was after a couple weeks ago. So John Wall was a pretty good player on a team that made the playoffs four times in the nine years that he played here. Never got past the second round. He averaged 19-9 and nine as, a, as, a, as a wizard. It's, it's, he was a very good player. Like, and this goes back to what we were talking about before. I saw someone call him the best player in franchise history. It's like that's – it's probably not true. Um, oh, God. He was a very Even good I player. I know that's a bad take. Yeah, and I, again, he was a very good player. Um, but like we said, he, he had some off-the-court stuff um, that it seemed like the management and ownership wasn't happy with. Um, and again, I mean, there's no one that injects a, just a shot of energy like Russell Westbrook. Like, that guy could get me to run through a brick wall. Um, he's, he's super exciting to watch. And like you said, it's, it, it'll be fun. Um, I mean, and like Taylor, you put it perfectly. Like, are, are, are they a, an NBA championship caliber team right now? No, and they're probably not going to be. But again, this makes them fun. John Wall hasn't played in two years. People forget that. And, and, and he's had major injuries. Um, the money stuff, the contract stuff, throw it out the window because everyone in the NBA signs a really bad contract. Um, so that doesn't bother me how much money they make. Again, it's not my money. I'm not paying them, so I don't really care. They but, got Mahimi yeah. off the books. Yeah, finally, finally. <laughs> But um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to be, uh, th- they'll be interesting to watch. Um, and my other NBA thought is hashtag year 18, LeBron resigning huge two years, oh my God. Uh, I think 84 and a half million. So we're, we're onto the repeat. When the NBA gets started, we'll have to just talk about this LeBron <laughs> thing with you, but we're not going to do it right now. Uh, as you that. perfectly said, Westbrook makes the Wizards a lot more fun. Um, they're not going to win the championship unless they could somehow flip something else for another guy, which they're not going to, but they've got some guys, some pieces around him that can play well. Russell Westbrook's never, uh, he's gotten to the finals once, obviously with OKC. Um, he's not regarded as a winning player because of some of his style, but he plays really hard and will endear himself um, to the fans. He's a guy I think that gets on your team and you just defend him because of how hard he plays. He does some weird stuff. Um, and he will shoot way too many threes, but um, he makes the Wizards a lot more interesting when they were a little more abundant at this point. I mean, Bradley yeah. Beal's a good player. Um, you know what's back in D.C.? Triple doubles, baby. I'm, I'm going to be a big – yeah, tri- Triple double watch is back. Triple <laughs> double watch is back. I, I don't know if I've ever put it out there, um, but in the past, I may have tweeted it. I may have kept it to myself, but I think the triple double, like people consider it this like godly stat, and it's just a preposterous stat. It's just like, oh, you just have – this amount of this, this amount of that, and that amount of that. And it just means that you had a better game than somebody who did something else. Like it's just kind of a very arbitrary statistic based on just the way numbers are built and the way digits exist. And we just like people all hail the triple double 
And I used to just be like, nah, fuck triple doubles. Like it's just. Cause what's really different than scoring 30, 10 and nine and 30, 10 and 10. There's really not that. Like, yeah. It's like, it turns a yes into a no in terms of like data and stuff like what, like whatever. But now, but now <laughs> I'm reformed. I'm a triple double guy. I love triple doubles. I am going to be counting them by the, by the doubles and triples and I can't wait. <laughs> and, and by the way, how big of a miss is this by wizards management to not do this trade two days ago, three days ago, because they just released the Christmas schedule and the wizards aren't on it. Obviously now you put, you put Westbrook on it. They may have thrown them on a Christmas day game, but the wizards know. got on Christmas one yeah. time against the Knicks. I remember that Knicks got on Christmas. That was very, very cool. I remember. They mixed it. John Wall mixed it up with someone on the Knicks. I forget. I who. think they played the Celtics on another Christmas. Yeah, they may have, they may have, they may have. Uh, Christmas Day, Christmas Day basketballs, Christmas Day unders are about to be back, baby. Oh, uh, yeah. no, might I've... change, might change. Because the one year I really sold into it, the unders swept. I parlayed them. That was a great Christmas for Banks. <laughs> Banksy <laughs> Christmas, Banksy unders. Yeah. Um, speaking of basketball, Maryland basketball back. How much Maryland basketball did both of you guys watch when they were playing in the middle of the afternoon on an NFL Sunday, Black Friday, and the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? Are you teeing me up for a go off game? Because I could, I could do one. Sure. Uh, opening day, college basketball. Sure. Like BTN, like, oh, yeah. but don't paywall the game on opening day. You can paywall some other games, but like when you sit around and you didn't get the tournament the previous year, the season ended abruptly and you're in the middle of a pandemic and you just want something to keep you going. You're excited for Maryland basketball. I understand you've got bills to pay and bills are tough to pay for everyone right now, but it would behoove you to give the first game for free. Cause that way you can try to sell some paywall games down the road. And it just bugged the shit out of me that, that they paywalled the first game of the season for more or less a top 20 in terms of prestige, a top 20 basketball program. Like, they, they should be showcased and uh, you, you can make the, the, the money with advertising because the, there should be a viewership there. Like we don't need to go too deep into like the cost benefit and the revenue. It's just like, it just was bad form in my opinion. It was bad form not to give that game to the people in a pandemic. People want to watch their Maryland basketball. That, that's, that's what I have on that. So I didn't watch much of the first game, unfortunately. Shout out to whoever put up the Twitch stream now. <laughs> you didn't hear that, Taylor. No, yeah, yeah. no, 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 none, none, no, nor, nor would I report those people anyway. Um, to, to sum up Maryland basketball for the people, I think it was an encouraging week. They played three underwhelming teams, but um, got the job done and disposed of them. Uh, Eric and Ayala is playing very well right now. Um, so I, I love, I love Ayala. I think Ayala, and I again, I use the term with Iglesias. He is the straw that stirs Maryland's drink, and I think he's it's an been that way for guy. a couple of years. Yeah, he's 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 that guy that it's when he's going well, it seems like he it, the the team is cruising. And I know he he's scoring a lot more than he has in the past this year, averaging sixteen a game. Um, yeah, yeah and, and I mean, good good for him. I like the guy. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw my tweet last night. I I said just I just picked two random basketball teams. Duke and Kentucky have both lost, and Maryland hasn't. So, oh, just randomly, just random, completely sure. random. 
you know, it, it's just a tough year for, for Duke, especially not having the first round pick and Maryland again, just totally random. Maryland did have one. So, yeah, sure. No, I, it's, it's funny watching the champions classic last night, which is the, you know, Kentucky, Michigan state, Kansas and Duke kind of round Robin and every year, the quality of play in both of those games was, was not good. was not good. And I wonder, especially in a year where a lot of, especially Kentucky and Duke, you're trying to bring in these one and done guys to try to get that chemistry together. If that helps a team like Maryland, who is bringing new pieces, but you're kind of core three guys and Wiggins, Ayala and Marcel, and even Dante Scott are all back. They have a little bit more chemistry together. The, the Terps are kind of doing it differently offensively with no sticks and no Cowan. Um, they're pressing a little bit more, but um, I think it should be an intriguing team in the big 10. It should be fun. Uh, to watch them go as, uh, as we roll through the season, they're back and who, the, and, and who the heck knows when the next game will be. We're supposed to play <laughs> Friday. We'll see if that happens. I mean, you just never know at this point. Is the JMU games done. Is that off the docket? Is no, that that's done? on the docket? Okay. JMU. They were supposed to play George Mason on Friday, George Mason. Sorry to them. COVID positive. See ya. Call up St. Peter's. The Peacocks are now on the schedule. The St. Peter's Peacocks from the Mac. So, uh, <laughs> so wait were they gonna they were gonna play friday night and then drive and then what fly to james madison they're gonna drive to james madison what after what is this it's like a it's it's like a travel it, tournament like it's like a travel tournament but that's, they, what the they, whole, that's what the whole season is honestly is it tra- I mean, yeah. you sit in while i sit in these games i mean i you know we now have three i, I kind of talked about it before but now having been to three of these games these games are aau games with way more intensity they're they're being played in front of no people and essentially empty gyms it's very bizarre i mean and and, and maryland has an amazing atmosphere and i is one of the great loves of my life is maryland basketball and it's still a great love watching it now but it is totally different nobody in the stands i mean it do, is very very weird do you have the aux cord there <laughs> i do not i do not i do sit right behind the great cassidy brown who does our our marketing um and got taylor swift red on the uh on the pregame speakers before the game so i have some access to the aux cord but yeah they should not put that in my hands i mean that would be a disaster um well maybe not i mean who knows it would just be big booty mixes all we all. i was gonna say we've seen your spotify 2020 wrapped and yeah i'm I mean, actually disappointed i think i was gonna message you but you didn't have the you don't have the message bar on instagram or on uh Instagram. It wouldn't let me send you a message. Really? Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I forget what it was, but the, the amount of time you listened to Taylor Swift was not what I thought it would have been for you. Did uh, you and I think it was like you, 40, like, I think you still listen to a lot of it, but did you crunch the numbers on how many minutes that equated to? I, I did mine. Taylor Swift. You listen to Taylor? Um, yeah, I listened to 75,000 total minutes of music and 11,000 of them were Taylor Swift. It comes out to, Almost exactly eight days worth <laughs> of music or Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Well, I mean, here's the thing: like when you love work, it. When I'm working at home, I have the tunes on. I mean, this is easily my biggest. And everyone, I'm sure that works spot that has Spotify listens. You have your Spotify Wrapped. I love Spotify Wrapped. It's just tremendous. Um, it exposes how much I just love pop music. But um, seventy-five thousand minutes is way more than I've ever had. I listen to a lot of music. But you just sit here. All, I sit here all day and I do my stuff here in Fed, and I'm just like I'm just pumping tunes all day. So, um, are you guys Spotify guys? Yeah, not primarily. Um, you're right. By the way, RDT, you're right. I had my responses to stories off for some. Yeah, reason. I was like, oh man, I, I I was gonna hit you back with something, and I was like, oh, I'm trying to click. I was like, oh, there's no bar. Wow, I can't. that's wild. 
Okay. Well, uh, I mean, who 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 knows how many people have been trying to send me things? A I mean, ton of DM yeah. slides, I'm sure. Have ah, worked that's probably. So and again, especially mm. on that Taylor Swift one. I mean, that's maybe I mean, I'll that's put it back good. up. That's, that's as good um, as a picture of a puppy. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Maybe yeah. I'll put shout, it back up on the thing here. Shout out to this fellow, by the way, uh, Nathan Nichols, that just DM'd me uh, on Instagram. His Spotify podcast, uh, uh, the Exit Fifty Two podcast, has made his uh, his top five podcasts. Oh, thank you. you know, shout out I was to good. all the good listeners out there that uh, that have us on that that list. I was gonna say shout out to the one guy who I saw had it on there, um, and it was me. So. Shout out go. to me for having Exit 52 Shout on my top to five <laughs> <laughs> uh, podcast on Spotify. I don't listen to Sp- – I don't do podcasts on Spotify, though. So that's my same thing. I, I have not kind of converted all of my podcast listening to Spotify. I've gotten some of it there, but some things I'm just sort of so used to going to the podcast app that I've stuck on the podcast app. Mm-hmm. Um, I am right now going to reveal my number one song on my Instagram. So if anyone wants to slide into my DMs on this one. Um, we're going to throw that up. I'm also, I, I'm kind of on to the Spotify stuff because Rockstar, and I tweeted this last night, Rockstar by Post Malone. It's a good song. Don't get me wrong. But that song has been in my top five for like four years. And there's no way I listened to that song more than three times on Spotify this year. So, yeah, there, there's some, something was funky, but what can you do? Also, by the way, they still haven't, you know, this tree is still unlit. I just want to say it's 930 oh, yeah. at night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I switched over to uh, West Virginia Gonzaga. I couldn't handle it. I had that on too, but then I got text saying, are we ever going to light this damn tree? And it's like, what are we doing? Well, this is the main event of the evening. This is what everybody wanted. This is what everyone wanted. Yeah, it's true. Uh, With Maryland talk out of the way, uh, our Nick Kaner medley men of the week. Banks, would you like to start? I'll start. Um, Mine is a little bit of a downer. I don't think I've even shared this with you guys, Um, but – it's, it's, it is a happy one. Um, my grandfather passed away on Saturday morning oh. um, at age 94. It was a long road where he, it was just, you know, his time. Um, but it's one of those opportunities to just kind of reflect on who kind of molds you into the people that you are. So just like a little about him. Um, he was born in Brooklyn, one of 10 kids, uh, Irish immigrants, you know, like pretty much straight off the boat. Um and he uh, very much like a pull himself up by the bootstraps kind of guy. Um, went to Notre Dame, was an engineer, worked for Exxon for 40 or 50 years, actually suffered two heart attacks before I was ever born. And statistically, you don't make it like 10 years after you have a second heart attack. And he lived 38 years past that by just making tons of conscious changes, not just for himself, but for his family. Um, to change his health habits and do a lot of things like that. And so um, just an opportunity to kind of like think about the people um, and be grateful for the people that have been in my life. And I am just kind of sharing that message so that people in similar situations can do the same with those that they still have and um, think back on some people that maybe they don't have and just kind of appreciate the moment a little bit. So that's a, I think it's the first one. Uh, I think we each, each had kind of our own sentimental ones at certain points during this podcast, but uh, that's probably my first one. So um, shout out to uh, my grandfather. Shout out to him. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. RDT. Um, I am going to go. I'll go. I, and Taylor, I texted you about this. My Nick Kaner medley 
man of the week. I, I think it's Len Bias. The fact mm. that he is, is it was announced this week that he is going to get enshrined in the college football or college football, college basketball <laughs> hall of fame. Um, and again, I didn't, I, when I saw it, I was like, what do you mean? He's not already in. And then that's when I texted you being like, what, what's going on? And, and, you know, you, you explained it perfect. And you're like, yeah, it hasn't been around that long. And, you know, it, it, there was kind of a, the stigma hanging over him and, and all that, but I, it's neat to finally see lefty get in. What was that? Two years ago, last year, he maybe? got into the Naismith hall of fame. That's yeah. The basketball. The yeah. The he, basketball he'd been in the college basketball hall of fame, but the Naismith but was kind of the big, that one. was a big one because it seemed like they were kind of keeping him on the outside. Um, yep. But it, it, it's neat seeing, you know, Len get in. And obviously I was never even close to seeing him play basketball. Um, but I've seen the highlight tapes. I've seen the 30 for 30, a bunch. It's one of my favorites. Um, I, I, I thought that was really neat. And again, it's like, it seems like, especially with the draft a couple of weeks ago. And it's like, you know, it's that, that story always comes up and there's a good clip of SVP on ESPN talking about it. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought it was neat to see him finally get in. And again, it's like the, the ultimate what if guy, it seems like, especially around this area. So good for him for, for getting in. And I'm happy that his family can have this, you know, have this moment to, to be able to reflect on and, and kind of look, look back on it. Yeah, very cool uh, situation there. Um, and as you said, I think a lot of this momentum has come in the last uh, nine months. I think the last dance really helped out the Len Bias momentum and taking kind of the stigma off his death. I know there was Maryland had that issue trying to figure out how to deal with Len Bias and the legacy, and that stuff has kind of been gotten past, and it's been cool to see him celebrated um, as the Maryland icon that he is and basketball icon that he is. Uh, those were two really good ones. Uh, I am going to go a little bit off the beaten path here. My – uh, Maryland first of the week. Not much of a Maryland guy. I gotta be honest. Good for my man Iron Mike Tyson getting out there and throwing some leather, baby, on Saturday night. <laughs> I mean, God bless the guy. Had no reason to go and do that. Like a million people bought that fight. Good for him. Good for Mike Tyson. Good. I was gonna give it to Eric Ayala, but we talked about Eric Ayala. I'm happy with how Eric Ayala was playing. But shout out to my man Iron Mike Tyson. Um, he gets it, but really shout out to Len Bias and your grandfather Banks. Those are those are two way more, way better ones. But I'll, I'll shout out Special. Man, man. I'll <laughs> shout out Iron. I'll shout who, out Iron Mike Tyson. Who would ever thought that my grandfather would end up uh, named in the same breath as uh, Mike Tyson? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and that's what the XFP podcast does. My two honorable mentions are, as I said, my man Eric Ayala, um, who's also a great person, a great person to interview, um, and uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, which once again, despite COVID proved to be a fantastic holiday. Hopefully everyone stayed safe, but um, God, Thanksgiving food is just so good. It is just so good in the football day and it's just a great holiday. So I, I have, we have to give one final shout out. We'll see you next year. Thanksgiving. See you in 2021. Do you guys have any honorable mentions? I don't know off the, the top of my head. I, I feel like I had some and I didn't write them down. So let Eric go first. You don't need any, you don't need any. And you don't really need either RDT, but if you got any, I, I have my one. And again, it kind of goes off every one I've ever done. Um, I feel like everything kind of circles back to it. it. Jeremy Kahn for, for putting on today, the, uh, the Mo Gabba way mm. um, that unveiling was great. And the, the street signs are awesome. And now that, now that it's official, we can say where it is. We didn't want to say where it was. So they, they didn't want people to show up again with COVID and all that stuff. It's right at West West street, um, which people thought it was like a typo at first. Um, it's right near banks. You remember where the, uh, the bar stool had their tailgate. A couple I, I years looked ago it up on the map today. Yeah. I was very, like, oh, I very know exactly hazy. where that is. <laughs> yes. I was staring at that. Um, again, I think we almost got hit by Trump's motorcade 
before the uh, army navy game i don't even know <laughs> if you remember that uh stumbling <laughs> around but yeah so it, it's right there, out there and they have three there are three signs um the orioles and ravens logo on all of them um they go it's three blocks long so if you're at the raven stadium you can see the sign uh jeremy said something he wants to he wants people to whenever you're in the area take a picture with it underneath it take a picture of it send it to him there you know we're trying to come up with a hashtag or something like that so just being able to be there today for that was really cool um and shout out to bar city limits we went there to grab some food after and nice little place kind of reminds me of the 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 bar in the wire it's a nice little uh, city limits over locust point yeah yeah down locust point yeah Yeah. Um, they have a christmas they have a christmas tree and they surprised mo's mom um with mo mo was the angel on top of the christmas tree so that was it was neat to see um but again, it was Jer- the, the work Jeremy's done to, to get it freaking street named after Mo was was pretty yeah. amazing. So that was really my cool. uh, honorable mention. We'll try and get it back on soon. I was talking to him. I said, well, we'll get you on the podcast again soon. So yeah, yeah talk about some of that stuff. That's that's amazing. Sure. OK, it's, I, it's uh, go, you finish. Oh, no, go right ahead. Um, I, I thought of it again. It's the <laughs> 52 podcast intern uh, for producing a brilliant video of RG three highlights that went viral on the internet multiple times. Um, the beauty of it is throwing the Fort minor on there. The remember the name. Um, this is a real beauty of it because it, it hits that balance where when you watch it, you're not exactly sure whether you're watching a video that's serious or not. And so the mentions on the tweets, the two tweets, we did the bad news for the Steelers, RG3 woke up today. And then earlier in the week when everything was in a frenzy on Monday, we blasted it out with uh, here comes RG3, the sequel or whatever. Um, the intern was kind of on his game with that one. We like to, to, to really get on his case a good amount, but he delivered there. And I just, the mentions on that video are so good because there are people that see it as a joking video and they're having fun with it think it's really funny and then there's other people that are like just disgusted with the video like oh my god like <laughs> that dude stink like all kinds of trash talk like oh it's nothing but but check downs and <laughs> one yard carries and <laughs> it's just I don't know I thought it was hilarious it was good it was very very good I mean we you have to the, the fact that you, you watch an intern come along like that that's a really a beautiful thing <laughs> and we've had our issues with with our intern but they continue to produce um, very good things at times. Do we have to keep the reins at on? Times. Sure. At times. At yeah, times. We have to keep the them in check. Very we have often. to keep the motivation high, but that was a, that was a swing and a home run. Um, <laughs> let's just stop striking out some of the time. The, the, the text that he sent us asking for the song request was pretty fun too. Going over these songs, like what song do we put in this? Yeah, there was a, little, a bit uh, of discussion. And like from the jump, Remember the name was the song that the intern wanted, but we had some difficulty as to how to get it on the video. And then the intern figured it out. So yeah, figured out, figured out the, uh, the DRM, right. So shout out to them for that. Um, that's a tough thing to figure out. So, so that's smart. a lot of eyeballs on the, on the Twitter account, which a lot of eyeballs. listeners on the uh, spreads, the exit 52 words. So um, you guys that are out there doing your part on that, thank you very much. But it also helps when the interns turn in great, great content. Speaking of the X52 word, we did uh, ask for some some questions. It was a it was a quick ask, but we did get some in. So let's go a little bit into the mailbag here. First, Jordan Gray, who jumped in our Twitter DMs. Are you guys actually feeling more confident after this game with the way the defense toughened up and played in the red zone? 
Also, are the Steelers the worst 11 0 team? Because, yes, they are. Jordan has declared them at Jake Gray 21. I can't think of a, of a worse 11 0 team. Just <laughs> that out there. <laughs> I can't either. On my head, I can't think of one. Maybe uh, I will say maybe, maybe Notre Dame in the Manti Teo year. <laughs> yeah, they got absolutely rolled by Alabama. I was reading about Manti Teo. I think I was thinking maybe the Ravens could sign him or something. If come have him come play. <laughs> I mean, players. Why not? Why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, I, I do think the Ravens, to answer, I do think the Ravens showed a bit more character that brought me some confidence. Um, so this game would have given me more confidence had they won. But I do feel encouraged by the response to the situation. There's a degree um, so of does, like, go ahead. No, you, that you're about to say there's a degree of relief in the sense that it felt like the season could end today. And it did. Yeah. It felt like we were spiraling for a while. And at a certain point, like, God, when you say this, it becomes something you regret saying when somehow things get worse, <laughs> but it felt like we have hit rock bottom and we're starting our way back up and we're kind of like to a degree backed into a corner. And that's when the Ravens respond best, especially in the John Harbaugh is like when they're underdogs, when they have to scrap and claw and make something happen. And right now um, it weirdly, it feels, I feel better about this team than when they lost to the Titans, to be honest. Like it just feels like, we hit rock bottom and the only way to go is up. And I feel good about our chances of doing that. Cause I, I, I've said it a bunch of times. If we just get in the tournament, I don't think teams are going to want to see us. For sure. Well, I'll go to this question next and Eric, I'll let you go on this first since we've talked about this guy a lot um, from our guy here, Matt Bernstein at what is your at Matt at Bernstein underscore Matt. Question for the pod. Do you think Hollywood is going to increase his role in the offense next season or is he a lost cause? I know he scored a touchdown, but before it seemed like the lack of effort was blatant and he didn't want to be there for half the plays. Um, I mean, I think just by default, if he's starting his, his, the, the, his role will increase. I mean, he, he's going he's still going to get past the ball. Like I said, he, he's still, I mean, he's shifty enough. He's fast enough to get open. Um, and I mean, I, I can kind of see what he was saying with the effort there because there was a play, I think in the first half where he, it, he probably could have laid out for a ball and he kind of just did the like, ah, it's, it's just out of my reach. And it's probably a play that you at least have to lay out for. Um, I mean, that definitely, that, that, that not bomb, but that long touchdown to him definitely has to get him feeling confident again. I think he had four catches today. That's probably his most in, I don't know, six or seven weeks at least. Um, but yeah, they made I mean, a concerted I, 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 effort to get him the ball. The first play of the game, they mm-hmm. swing pass to him. So, you know, and it's like that's that's what they should be doing. Again, yeah. that's a guy where it's like you get get the ball in his hands the first, you know, like your Kendrick Perkins um, <laughs> analogy last week, Taylor. Like get the ball in his hands, get him feeling good, get him comfortable, and let's see where he goes from there. So yeah, I mean, I think his I think his role has to increase, and and um, it just yeah, I think just by default. But yeah, I mean the. You know, who knows if this if this starts him. I think I dropped him in like two fantasy leagues, so it's not going to help me regardless. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I do think that he showed you the special nature that he has. I mean, when he was in the open field, it was over. I mean, it was absolutely over. One yeah. foot in the ground, make a Fitzpatrick done. I mean, that's, that's what he brings to the table, and he's going to have to continue to bring to the table um, to be something. Uh, from Benny, sorry, Benny, if I mess your name up, it's either Kotler or Kotler. I'll go with Kotler. 
Benny Kotler. Promote McSorley to backup, question mark. I don't think this is going to be an issue because I think RG3 is going to be out. So I think he's going to be the backup <laughs> if, if Lamar is a, uh, is a healthy, healthy man this week. If you had two healthy, a healthy Trace and a healthy RG3, who is your backup for the Ravens? I, I still think that it's RG3, um, which feels a little silly, but it, like he, he faced, I said it before, the, the Steelers defense is very good. They're very good defense. They're very difficult to move the ball against. And he barely, he didn't move the ball a lot, but um, what it really comes down to is Trace McSorley made, made one good throw and Hollywood made it, you know, turned it into a big play and, you know, credit to them for doing that. Um, but RG3 is, has experience, albeit shaky experience in the league. And um, he brings more speed. He's better fit with the offense as it's currently constructed. So um, I would lean towards RG3 because there's still a lot of unknowns about McSorley. We know enough about RG3 and we know his limitations very well. So in that sense, we can kind of tailor a game plan and kind of manage that a little better. Yeah, for sure. I think that, I think that at this point you have to keep it as RG three if he's the healthy guy with the more experience. But I do think Trey shows you a little bit where, yeah, if if you if RG three doesn't start out well in a game where they're theoretically playing, you can you can go to him. Um, our guy Grant Batterson, we asked a we we answered one of his questions before. Um, do we believe Lamar will start against the Cowboys? There's not really much to say here. It's it's kind of impossible to know. I mean, it's it's not a situation where you can really predict it. Uh, but thank you, Grant, for sending in that question. Um, and, and hope, hopefully, hopefully he can play. Uh, Thomas Meyer asked us about whether the Ravens should take a swing at acquiring Chris Godwin. There's not really much to say on that at this point because we're past the trade deadline, and that's more of an offseason question. Um, so maybe we'll talk to that once the Ravens gets the offseason. We look at yeah. moves, but yeah, I mean, you always look to acquire guys like that, but it's kind of a moot point at this point. I don't have like enough energy to do a full on go off king about it, but every week there's people just like talking about Allen Robinson and like, okay, we'll talk about that in three months. Like we can't, yeah, at this point you can't talk about bigger it. fish to fry than players that are not on our team. Like, yeah, it'd be sweet to have Allen Robinson, but we don't have Allen Robinson. We can't get Allen Robinson. So we got to make do with what we have. We had a couple of people ask us about Harbaugh. If he was coaching scared, I think we kind of addressed that already. Um, and, and I think he was a little bit of the middle. I, I think there was a little bit of strategy to those but I also, you know, I don't think he coached scared down at the goal line. I think they just mismanaged the clock and didn't get a call. I, I think, I mean, I think they just got screwed there. I think it was all preconceived as to what they were going to do. They're going to run the football once they had a second play already all dialed up and they just couldn't get the line quick enough because that, that incompletion there should, should have still had time to kick the field goal with some time to spare, like to even think about maybe throwing a third time. I don't know. Like, yeah. That it was just I it, it I cannot believe that that was not delay a game because that's why delay games exist for like exactly what we saw there it was just so blatant because you have that you have like for the first five seconds you're like okay they're trying to stall but you know they're gonna get up because referees like have to they they start saying all right now come on come on you know that's enough of that but and I don't know if the referees said that or not but they just didn't get up and at a certain points like dude, you guys have to get up and you have to threaten the flag or something like, but it looked like the referees had no interest, no hustle, no gusto whatsoever in terms of 
peeling that pile off in order to keep the football game moving. Like that, that umpire needs to get in there, grab the ball and set it. And there just seemed to be no hustle to do your fucking job. So, and also yeah. like, like, like you could see Bozeman's kind of standing there kind of like looking around like, because you know, the sec- and like, you know, the second that, that one of the Ravens goes to grab a stealer, they're going to flail and they're going to fall back and yeah. they're going to try and get that 15 yard penalty. So yeah, it's like the Ravens were kind of like, all right, let, let's get them up. Let's get going. And they're kind of like, you could see him like look up at the clock, like six, five. And it's like, Oh shit, they're not going to have enough time because again, you had three Steelers laying there. So that was a weird play. And yeah, that that's one where it's like the refs. I mean, what, what are you looking at? It, it's, it's not like it's an incomplete yeah. pass. And you're just waiting on them to get up. Game. I alluded to it. I talked about it a little bit, but that was just a really bad game by that. Those officials. And there was a period early in the third quarter where I, I had to be on the road and I was listening and Jerry Sandusky on the radio lost his mind for a couple minutes there about the refereeing. The, um, the pass interference with the clay pool. I mean, I understand why you call that as space guarding, but at the same time, like clay pool was involved with the contact there, you know, whatever. I'm not going to nitpick that call, but he lost his mind on that one. And then the hold, for Fluker later on that drive or, or uh, on the next drive, he lost his mind on that too. It was just very suspect stuff. Yeah, it was, it was not great. Shout out, by the way, shout out uh, to the man Dukes for dropping in with the screenshot there. For yes. Our, shout, our out guy. To Dukes. shout out to Dukes. His, his all, oh, I didn't even watching. mention that. I didn't even mention that false start. It was, there's the play, the, the pivotal play of the game, the game where God, we would have loved to have seen for better or worse, what would have happened if Trace McSorley got the football at his own 30-yard line with a couple timeouts? All three timeouts at that point. <laughs> would have been true. 236 left, three timeouts, five-point deficit. Trace McSorley in, in the state of Pennsylvania. That would have been unbelievable. And that moment got taken away from America. Not just us. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. It, it really started all the God, it, that it, been so I didn't say it directly, back. but they false started the whole line on that third and six, especially the tackles. The right tackle was three yards behind the line of scrimmage. His foot was on the ground when the ball was snapped. He was already in his second stop of uh, second step of his drop. It was horrible. Yeah, not great. Not great at all um, by the officiating crew on that one. Uh, we have one final question here. Uh, and it's from my guy, Tony Maranto. Uh, checking in with us on Twitter, the Rave. He he says the Ravens. Tony Maranto seven. If you want to follow my guy, if it seems that the Ravens are missing that moment from this year, fourth and twenty nine in twenty twelve with Ray Rice, the Seattle fourth down play. Do you feel like that moment will happen this year? And he says bonus points of who it comes from. I feel like the Ravens almost sort of had it with Hollywood Brown. Uh, and then if they get the ball back and come down and score, I mean, that would have been your moment. They don't That's what I'm have saying. They just had that moment, that moment taken away from them tonight. So that, that could have been it. I do think he's a prime candidate to make that moment happen because he's been much maligned and for him to flip it around. Um, I, I think the prime place for that to happen is two weeks against Cleveland. And I think, I really do think it's, I think it's going to be Patrick Queen. I really think Patrick Queen is like very close to making game-changing plays, and he's just not all the way there yet. The other guy, and, and we didn't get to him because there's so much talk, 
Yannick Ngakwe at some point is going to strip somebody from behind. He's yeah. so he's just he's almost mind-numbingly close. Like I and I watch him yeah. every play. I think because he's a turf, I literally just focus on him every play he's in. Especially when he's in the near side, you can just see him kind of getting ready to go. And he's 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 just and he made no tackles tonight. I mean, it's it's un, it's almost unbelievable that he yeah. made no tackles. He's what played four games so far and two yeah. against an offense that kind of takes away what he's capable of doing because they just at some point he's too good i mean and, and people could say he's a bust this, the trades a bust this one he's too good to not at some point make a huge play i mean he's been productive every year he's been in the league he's very good so i hope it's i hope it's my man Jan. i hope it's a turf but i think it's gonna be patrick queen in two weeks i think and, and I, the easy picks lamar <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. easy picks Lamar just because he hasn't had that moment yet. That, like, I mean, he could have had it against the Steelers the final play of the game. He threw a ball that at least was in the spot where they had a chance. And Snead just kind of couldn't come up with it. It was it was guarded, but he put the ball there and gave us a chance. Um, and he hasn't been in enough of those scenarios. And um, it's, it's bound to happen in one of these games. And uh, with the way that we kind of need to come close to running the table, like – when it might happen could very well be week 17. I mean, we could have a CJ Mosley Baker Mayfield type uh, week 17 interception type play that kind of puts us into the tournament. Like we're going to have to scratch and grind and um, it's going to be refreshing to play football that, that makes you nervous when, when the ball's kicked at one o'clock or whatever it might be. Uh, But that's, it's going to be fun. We're (laughs) playoffs start on, on Tuesday. As funny as, as it's as it is to say that. Yeah, I was when when Taylor said Patrick Queen, I was thinking the um the the CJ Mosley play obviously too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the easy answer is 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 Lamar. You could, I mean, but you could also pick. You could, I mean, I'm gonna say Marlon. I think again, he's gonna do one of these peanut punches that's gonna roll their way because it seemed like last year everyone was going their way, and this year it just it hasn't. And and I mean, what what he had two tonight? I think only one. Both one out of bounds. He's had fumble. a bunch go out of bounds this year. Yeah, season. and it's like I mean, I you could still watch that one from last year in Pittsburgh, and I don't know how that doesn't go out of bounds, and it just stayed in, it spun in. But it's yeah, a microcosm so, of the uh, how the season's gone. Seasons. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I'll, I'll go Marlin because again, it's like he and it's crazy, just kind of it's he's doing it every game. It's not like once or twice, like. With Pat, um, with Peanut Tillman, it seemed like he was doing it every. And obviously, we didn't watch the Bears that much, but it seemed like he was he was doing it every now and then. But Marlon, I mean, he's doing it on back to back drives, and it's like this guy just he just has a knack for it. So uh, I'll go Marlon. And and I saw that question. I didn't know if you were going to get to it, and I was going to ask you guys that question too. Uh, if if somehow it uh, got lost. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I had to um, uh, had to get that get that. The one. other one is Peters, just because like he is due to do that every so often to kind of earn his keep. Not that he's playing poorly enough to be like, oh, let's be gone with Marcus Peters. He's a great player, but it's like the way that he works is he gets an up, you know interception every, every other week or so, and he gets a pick six once or twice a season, and everyone goes crazy. And like we haven't really had that quite yet this year, and. He's due to get it because that's just – that's who Marcus Peters is. He's going to get his at some point. For sure. For sure. I think uh, I think those are all really good choices and, and a good question. Thank you for everyone that submitted questions in a very short period of time for there for the mailbag uh, that we got to jump into. 
Um, and, and thank you to all the listeners for staying with us here as the Ravens, uh, as the Ravens have struggled uh, through the last three weeks. Uh, you kind of already had a go off King there. I don't have anything uh, to go off about. I feel like we've gone off about a lot as we've, uh, as we've gone through the show here. So unless you guys, I'll open the floor to you guys or we can finish this thing up. You alluded to, to people who have called and got quite a bust. And this is again, not quite go off King material, but I don't know if you're referring to a certain radio show their Twitter account is the one who spoke that into the inter- like into the universe that no, I was not play trade is already a bust. And it was just like, the, just one of those things is so fucking stupid. And it's like, why, who, who gives you a microphone? Like, why do you even have the radio show that you do? I'll leave it at that. There you have it. There you have it. I mean, that's, that's really all that needs to be said. People can fill in the lines on that one. Yeah, I, th- I think they can. <laughs> I think they can based on some of the history of the show. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you have to give that one time. At some point, he is going to need to make a big play. I mean, yeah, he, he will. He can only get close for so long, um, and I think I think that he will at a certain point here. His, uh, his deal's up after next year? Or is he a free agent after this season? Yeah, it feels like we traded for him three months ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you could have told me that the that, that trade was last year. It's been good. I mean, yeah, it's it's gone on for a while. It's gone on for about as long as this tree lighting ceremony has gone on. Is it not lit yet? No, no. Are you Kelly kidding Clarkson me? And, Kelly Clarkson and Brett Eldridge are coming up. If you, if you get this, them. this is stretched out worse than the March Madness uh, thing they did a couple years ago. <laughs> a couple years ago, when they were doing it, like fucking light the tree and get it over. That with. was wild. With, with their, I felt bad, <laughs> Bernie Johnson. He was getting destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, he was getting destroyed. Poor Ernie. Yeah, poor Ernie. Such a good, such a good guy. But yeah, you, I think I think Yannick will have his time. Do you have the announcers for uh, for Tuesday? Oh, it's Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Christina Pink, and Aaron Andrews. It's it's Thursday Night Football. So there you go. Be, just uh, making sure you get that in. Box. No, it's great with the primetime <laughs> games. It's just it's easy to predict. Although this one changed, this one changed a bunch. It was gonna be, it was gonna be Tarico and Collinsworth. It was, and then. And then, though, when they moved it back, at that point it was going to be Michaels. They, had, I think they then moved Michaels onto the game. And then when it got moved back again, they moved Tariko back onto the game. <laughs> I believe how they did that. It's the snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. Yeah. That, that gif, I mean, it, it was, I thought it was perfect for this it whole was. situation. It was. It was very perfect. Just like, um, just like um, every time the Ravens finally tested negative on a given day, just the Frank Beamer 0 0 gif. <laughs> tweet <laughs> so good a frank beamer is low-key a great just meme god because it's that one and then have you ever seen the gif of him uh eating ice cream at like a virginia tech basketball game and there's just a mm-hmm. crying kid the kid next to him it's and like he's he just staring out into the abyss just <laughs> it's so funny mm-hmm. uh, he yeah yeah he is something he we've is done something. a lot of verbal memes on this show that yeah yeah we have and maybe when when we describe uh beamer ball in the meme game that's when it's time to bring it that's when it's time to bring it to a close thank you everyone to listening to this combined instant analysis regular exit 52 episode make sure to go back and listen to our interview with jacoby jones from last week it was really awesome stuff thanks for jacoby for coming on he took us into a bunch of different directions um and we will be back with guests as we go through the rest of the winter and into the spring follow the boys on social media at barstool banks uh for um now what are you trace mcsorley throws the ball on a dime banks you've really extended the name here 
Um, Trace McSorley. Throw it on a dime. Banks. Banks. That's me. Uh, all in for week 12. Banks. That is, that, that is Big US that, Banks gone. all in for, for week 12. Banks is gone. Uh, Trace McSorley, throw it on a dime. Banks is in um, for the foreseeable future until Lamar's back. So, yep. You can follow uh, RDT at E D I T T I 22 on Twitter. You can follow me at Taylor Smith 10. You can follow the podcast at exit 52 podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We will see you Tuesday night for the instant analysis podcast <laughs> of the Ravens and the Cowboys. Uh, that just feels so, so the five bizarre. o'clock game, right? I uh, yes. So. And then at some point after that, we'll record a normal show. Perhaps we'll see. Maybe the Ravens game will be Tuesday. Maybe it won't. We, we at this point have absolutely no idea, uh, but stay locked on the social media and we will continue to give you all those updates Thanks for all your support. We will see you next time as they still have not lit the tree at Rockefeller Center. Unreal. We will see you next time on the X52 podcast.